Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. So glad to be with you guys today. It's uh, kind of a privilege and an honor uh, when I'm not on the road speaking somewhere. Liz and I are here, and we just love Journey Church. We just love seeing what God is doing uh, through Steve, through the leadership team, and uh, and if you see a silly grin, it's just a dad. That's all, you know. I mean, this is, I love this phase of my life where I get to uh, just see what God is doing through our sons. And so, uh, listen, those of you that have young kids and you're pouring in some, and they keep you awake at night and, you know, they do all kinds of crazy stuff, remember, man, God has a plan. And someday you're going to get to see it all unfold in their lives. And you're leading the way. Today I want to talk about finding God in frustrating times. Finding God in frustrating times. The last... Uh, 24 months have been filled with uh, plenty of frustrating moments. Liz and I watched this week a movie called uh, Bitter Harvest, and uh, back in tw- back in 1932 and 33, uh, they wasn't the uh, first time that Russia tried to snuff out the Ukrainians, you know. And this one had to do with uh, they confiscated all their wheat, and it's it's just crazy. But uh, as we remember that situation, let's just keep it in prayer, and uh, and also remember that not all Russians are bad people, right? There are a lot of Russians that love Jesus Christ, and uh, it's amazing what has happened to open up the church in the land of Russia, and there are a lot of people that are brokenhearted over what's happening there, too, so we're not just playing sides and everything else. We're just asking God just to intervene and, uh, and to protect as many lives as we possibly can protect during this time. Uh, but so it's a crazy time, right? I mean, it's, it's a crazy time. I mean, so many levels, uh, uh, but I'm here to tell you today that God is in every moment of our mountaintops and our valleys. God is in every moment of our good days and our bad days. Because God is what we know as being omnipresent, which means He's everywhere at the same time. He's everywhere at the same time. He's, all, he's omni, uh, omnipotent, which means He's all-powerful. He's omniscient, which means He's all-knowing. We serve an amazing God, and, and He is not like uh, sitting back and idle. He's actively involved even in this crazy moments of our life, finding God in frustrating times. There was a great movie uh, that came out in 16 years ago called The Pursuit of Happiness. Remember that? Happiness was spelled wrong, H-A-P-P-Y-N-E-S-S. It was on a Chinese uh, restaurant somewhere. And, uh, and it, was all, it was a true story because I love true stories. I mean, if it's not a true story, I don't want really to waste my time. I just love whenever I see, you know, true, based on true events or true stories, I, I, I love it. I love when I'm done watching the movie, I'll Google it and I'll find out even more information. And, and it's just fascinating to... Uh, be involved in true stories. And this is a true story about a guy named Chris Gardner. And uh, Chris Gardner was played by uh, Will Smith. And uh, I love Will Smith. I mean, he's a great actor. And the exciting thing was it was also involved a five-year-old son of Chris Gardner. And that was played by Christopher. Uh, that was not, that, he played Christopher, but it was uh, Will Smith's son, Jaden, that played that role as well. So it was a father and son acting together, and it was an incredible uh, movie. In 1981, this Chris Gardner uh, took all of his life savings, and he bought these bone density machines. They they were kind of like a suitcase, suitcase, I'm not not a suitcase, a sewing machine and a suitcase kind of a covering, and he had all these in his home, and 
He spent all of his life savings to buy these bone density machines, and then he was going from doctor's office to doctor's office, convincing them that it was better than x-rays. You want this machine. But it was already a strain on his struggling marriage, and Linda was not too excited about his uh, career choices, and, uh, and so she was really, really frustrated with all this. But as you would have it, perchance, but I don't really believe in chance. I believe in divine coincidences that God's always involved in our lives. But for the sake of, of this conversation, by chance, uh, Chris happened to be in the same taxi with a, with a manager from, uh, from a uh, stock firm. And uh, he was telling him about this opportunity to come into their firm. They're going to select 20 guys who are going to do an uh, internship, an unpaid internship. And at the end of the year, they were going to select one of the 20 to bring into their office. And so he said, come. He said, do the interview. And so he goes, he does the interview, and uh, he, gets, he gets the opportunity. He goes home and he tells his wife, you're not going to believe it. I've been chosen for an internship, an unpaid internship. And she says, that's it. I had it. And she leaves. And she leaves him with the five-year-old son. So to make matters worse, his wages were being garnished uh, for, from not paying taxes. And now he's down to $22. And then he gets the eviction notice and he's homeless. I mean, how bad can things get, right? I'm, I'm telling you, you watch this movie, an hour and 17 minute movie, you'll be like, please quit, just quit. You, it's, just, it's, it's just a reality of, of the pressure that he's going through. And, uh, and so he, so now he's homeless, right? And in the movie, he's sleeping in dirty bathrooms and subways. And if he can get in, he gets a warm bed at night in a homeless shelter. But nobody at the management firm knows anything about his life. He goes, he goes dressed to the hilt every day in the office. He studies, studying hard, training. In fact, even one day, one of the guys who had plenty of money but didn't have five bucks for the taxi borrows five bucks from a guy who has n practically nothing. And, uh, but he doesn't tell anybody. He just keeps plowing and plowing. And so they finally come, hour and 17 minutes, you know, they come back to the day where he's going to find out. So he decides to buy a brand new shirt and he goes in with his brand new shirt. One of the managers noticed hey, Chris, that's a nice new shirt, you know? He said, well, I figure if, I was, if it was going to be my last day, I might as well come dressed up for the occasion. And then the manager said to him, well, you might want to wear that new shirt tomorrow, which means that he was the one of 20 was selected. And, you know, Will Smith, I mean, he's great with emotions, right? And it's, it's a moment, I'll tell you, you would, if you saw his face right now, you'd lose it right now. Because it's that moment when you, you, you think, you know, after everything he's gone through. And, but here's the problem. Life isn't an hour and 17 minutes. I mean, Joseph went through 13 years of the school of hard knocks before he became a leader in Egypt, right? And, and Chris went through a whole year. And so he holds his composure together. He thanks him, and he runs out of the office. He runs to the daycare where his son is, and they're holding hands, and they're, they're laughing, you know. Life is going to be changed. Life is going to be good. And at that moment, the real Chris Gardner walks by, and then the epilogue tells us that Chris Gardner went on to form his own multi-million dollar stock brokerage. And then you get to that moment where I, whew, it's a victory moment, right? And uh, if you don't see it right now, if you don't see it happening in your life at this moment, I'm here today to tell you to hold on. Get beyond the frustrations and the struggles that you're going through today and get to the place where you honestly believe that, that, that God is doing something and he's get, getting ready to do something wonderful in your life. I've come here today to tell you it's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to be one struggle to the next struggle. One disappointment to the next disappointment. So don't quit. That's what I'm here to tell you today. So don't quit. Don't give in. Don't uh, give in to your, the struggles of your situation right now. Because God 
has some exhilarating mountaintop experiences for you. They're in your future. They're coming your way. Trust me, just don't quit. In fact, here's what the Bible says in Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good because just at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Here it is. If we don't quit. I'm here to tell you today, don't quit. Don't give in. So right now in this moment, in your own way, say something like this. Say, you know, I'm not going to get tired of doing what's right. I'm going to keep putting God first. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to keep reading the word. I'm going to keep staying in small groups. I'm going to keep staying in relationship with other people where we can kind of challenge each other. You know, iron sharpens iron. I'm going to just keep doing the right things. Make the decision today that you're not going to quit because a harvest of blessing is coming your way. So here are a few things I want to give you just to remember, think, to think about during this frustrating season. The first thing I want you to do is remember the enemy's plan. We have an enemy in our world, and he has a plan to make us quit, to give up. That's his plan. It's not a new plan. The enemy has no new things up his sleeve. It's all the same old, same old that he uses to trip up human beings all the time. After 70 years of captivity in Babylon, you know the story in the Old Testament where the Jewish people were taken away and taken into Babylon where they, they would spend 70 years in captivity, but God said to them, you're going to be there for this amount of time, build houses, get married, start businesses, pray for that city because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So that's our assignment, right? Have kids, start jobs, start businesses, pray for the city. If it prospers, you will prosper. So God gives them that word, but now seven years is up, and now they get to go back home. They've been released to go back to Jerusalem, where they're now going to rebuild the temple and rebuild their lives. And the Bible tells us immediately when they get there and begin to do the work, they're confronted with residents all around them who are resisting their work and trying to get them to stop doing the rebuilding. And here it is in, in uh, Ezra chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, and I want you to take note of this because this is the enemy's strategy still today. Then the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. They bribed agents to work against them, and here it is, and to frustrate their plans. This went on all during the entire reign of King Cyrus of Persia and lasted until King Darius of Persia till he took the throne. So you're not going to go too far in this life or really anywhere in this life without resistance. Resistance is real. We live in a real world with real enemies that want to stop us from going after the dream. And God is saying to us today, the enemy's strategy back then has not changed. It's still a strategy for us today. And Satan's strategy is to discourage, to wear us down, we read it together, to paralyze us with fear, to get us to stop, be frozen in track, gripped by fear, and to frustrate our plans. And we all will agree that during COVID-19, the enemy did exactly that. I heard someone refer to it as a fear bomb went off in America. People were afraid. They were paralyzed. They were locked in their homes and, and afraid to go on and do life to discourage people, to wear them down, to frustrate them in their purposes. So Satan's plans are still the same. And I'm not telling you this today so that you think that you've got to somehow battle him on your own. You just need to recognize what he does. In fact, the Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the enemy, he will flee from you. 
So you always give yourselves, continue to give yourself to God, to God's ways, to God's plan. You just resist the enemy. And I'll show you how they resisted him. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 15, it says, When our enemies heard that we knew their plan and that God had frustrated them. So God's frustrating the enemy's plans. He lives under constant frustration. He said, when we heard the enemy's plan, and you heard his plan today, it says, then we returned to our work on the wall. They simply just kind of said, oh, it's just you, and went back to work. That's all you got to do. Just acknowledge, it's just you. I know where this frustration is coming from. I know where the discouragement is coming from. It's just you, and we get back to work on the wall. That's how you don't quit. You just keep doing the right thing. So today, remember, we have an enemy. And we now know his plans. It is the same to try to get us to stop from doing what God is calling us to do. Number two, fight the temptation. Because we know that the first thing that we're tempted to do when things are going slow and there's the delay and months have, dra have been dragging on and maybe a year or two has been dragging on is that, especially guys, we're fixers. We want to fix stuff, right? We want to fix it right now. And so, so we want to take matters into our own hands and you have to fight the temptation to take matters into your own hands. Remember what God said in his word in Habakkuk 2.3. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It won't delay one minute longer than God has intended. Wait patiently, because it will surely take place. Here's what I know. God's timing is not our timing. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are are not our thoughts. We've got seven grandchildren. We've got five uh, great grandsons. You know, three of our grandsons here. And uh, then we have two granddaughters, and we love our little granddaughters. And uh, we, we, after having two sons, we're finally glad to have two little special girls in our life. And uh, they like sweet and sassy, you know, and they're so cute on their birthday when they got little paper cucumbers on their eyes, you know. So, so little girls, they're great, right? And so, uh, Leighton, our oldest granddaughter, is about 10 now, but when she was like four or five years old, she was in Chick-fil-A, and, and when she was in Chick-fil-A playing, she was playing with a little girl, and, and I love how there's no judgment with little kids. They just start playing with people, right? They just start having fun with the people around them, and, and I wish as adults we could be like that. So she's playing with this little girl, and the little girl's mom comes in and begins speak, speaking to her in a language Leighton didn't know, and so Leighton says, what language do you speak? And she said, well, we speak Spanish. And the little girl turned to Leighton and said, well, what language do you speak? And Leighton said, I speak human. <laughs> and that's the problem with us. We can't see what God is doing in that atmosphere and doing in our lives. And so we get bogged down because we speak human and, and, and we don't get his timing. Our timing is human timing and our, and our ways are human ways and our thoughts are human thoughts. And we, we can't get on the same page with God at times. But he said to us very clearly today, if it seems slow in coming, he says, just wait patiently, and we're not very patient at times, wait patiently, because he said to us, matter-of-factly, as, as, as if it's fact itself, it will surely take place. Let me just give you an example in the Word of God. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 23, I'm going to read it to you, and then I'll explain it to you after that, and so you'll, it'll make sense after I explain what's happening here. But in Galatians 4, 23, it goes like this. The son of the slave wife was born in human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. Just take note of these two words, human attempt. We can have either human attempt or we can have God's fulfillment 
of his promise. So God's made his promises. He's working on those promises. He's going to fulfill them at the right time in our lives. You can either have the fulfillment of God's promise or you can have human attempt, human effort. So the story's about Abraham, our spiritual father, Abraham and Sarah. And uh, God gave them a promise that their, their uh, family would continue to grow, 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 grow until it becomes a nation. And there'd be thousands of Jewish people in their family. And, but at this point in their lives, they don't have children. And so they're tempted to, to, to take it into their own hands and make it happen. And even though God has spoken to Abraham many times in one night, in a moment, I'm sure of discouragement, God took him outside. It was dark outside. All the, you see brilliant, all the stars. And God says to him, start counting the stars. Well, it's impossible because he gets to 45, 50, and he, he loses count. He loses his place. He's got to start all over again. It's impossible. And God says, I want you to know that that's the number that represents all the people that will be in this nation called Israel. That is going to continue to grow, grow, and grow. But there was a problem. There was delay after delay after delay. And so Sarah comes to him one day, and she's going to do human effort, human attempt. And she says to Abraham, she says, here, have my Egyptian maid, Hagar, and have a baby with her, and we'll start the family, we'll help God out, we'll do it this way. And uh, I'm saying, listen, guys, even if our wife comes to us with a good idea, and we know that it's not God's way, it's just human attempt, you're better off just owning up to it, because you're going to get credit for it anyway. You're going to get the responsibility for it anyway, and I'll show you, you know, in a moment. But just like back in the Adam and Eve, right, the beginning, the book of the beginnings in, in Genesis, where Adam throws Eve under the bus. When it's all said and done, he takes responsibility for what has happened. So guys, let's be the spiritual leaders God is calling us to be. So Hagar becomes pregnant. She bears a son, and they're going to name him Ishmael. And a lot of times we refer to that in the body of Christ as don't do an Ishmael, wait for the Isaac, wait for the promise of God. Don't take it into your own hands, try to make it happen. You don't want Ishmael, you want Isaac. And so Hagar, she becomes pregnant, and now she's flaunting it over Sarah, she's torturing Sarah with this whole thing, and Sarah comes to Abraham and said, it's all your fault you did this to me. See what I'm saying, guys? It's all your fault you did this to me. So let's be the leaders he's calling us to be, right? In Genesis chapter 16, verse 16, Abraham now has Ishmael. And it wouldn't be for another 13 years until Isaac would be born. But Isaac would be the fulfillment of God's promise that he made. And all the conflicts and stress that happens in the Middle East happens because of the decision that Abraham and Sarah made all the way back then. If it seems slow in coming, wait for it because it will surely happen. I don't know if you ever heard of the marshmallow test, but Stanford University did a test with a group of four and five-year-old kids. And they brought them into a room, and they set a big plate of marshmallows in front of them. And they said to the kids, you can have one marshmallow, but if you wait five minutes, you can have two. And you can just picture kids, right? Those of you that work with four and five-year-olds here at Journey, you can just picture kids are like, I don't see them. <laughs> they're kicking the table. They're playing with their hair. And as soon as the instructors walked out of the room, half the kids went and got their first marshmallow. The second half waited till they came back and they got two marshmallows. But what they discovered in that when they followed these same young kids in, and they were growing into their teenagers and their, into their adult years, that they actually did better in their SAT scores. 
They actually, many of them were able to resist getting involved in drugs and being addicted, addicted to drugs. Because there's something powerful about delayed gratification. It works something into our lives. And they found out that a lot of those as adults were able to handle big levels of stress in their life. So delayed gratification is God's marshmallow test. And he says, if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently because it will take place. It will happen. Number three, so you're remembering that the enemies, the one behind the frustrations and the struggles, oh, it's just you. I'm going to stay faithful to what God's calling me to do. You fight the temptation to try to make something happen yourself. And then number three, embrace God's purpose. See, there's always a purpose for God's delay. We don't see it, so we can't explain it at times. And sometimes we won't be able to explain it until years later after we're enjoying the fulfillment of His promise. But God is always, He has a purpose for the delays. And God is not just sitting idly by in your life today. He's very active and He's very involved and He's working. And He has a purpose in the delays. And when His plans are fully realized, fulfilled in your life, you're going to realize that they're way better than your imagination. The possibility of your imagination. They're way better. Liz and I pastored Morningstar Fellowship for 38 years. And a lot of people don't know the beginning days. The beginning days when we got there, we had 18 people. 18 people that thought nothing like we thought. The place was a dive. It was unbelievable. I thought God played a joke on us. So we started working. We thought it would take us. He said, how hard can this be? We went, got there in September. We said, by Christmas, we should have 100 people. It took us seven years to break 100. But God was doing something in us, in the delay. He was preparing us. He was getting us ready to handle what he wanted to do. And after that seventh year, it just took off. It just took off. So I know. I know about this. I know how real this is in our lives. And God is working and he's busy in our lives. Let me show you something. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 14, we read this verse. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. Way before Exodus happened, years and years and years before, God made a promise to the Jewish people. There's going to come a time when you're going to be in a different land and you're going to become slaves in that land. But he said, the day's going to come when you are released. When I judge that nation, you're released, and when you re you're released, and when you leave, you're going to leave with great wealth. So let me tell you about the story. Years before all this happened, actually, we studied this the last couple of weeks, right? Joseph becomes second in command over Egypt, just under Pharaoh. And they had this plan where they're, in seven years of prosperity, they're, they're putting aside 20% of all the grain, all the harvest, to get them through seven years of severe famine. There was so much that it not only carried the Egyptians through the famine, but it carried many other people through the famine too. And Joseph's family happened to be one of those group of people. The Bible tells us that when they went to Egypt, there were 70 people. That's it. 70 Jewish people that lived in Egypt in the land of Goshen. The Bible tells us years passed, 400 years, and now there are Jewish people all over Egypt. In fact, the Bible says in chapter number one, the people filled the land. They were everywhere. And a Pharaoh came who did not know 
Joseph or what Joseph had done. All he knew was there are Jewish people everywhere. And if somebody attacks us, they could turn against us and fight for our enemies. Or they could walk away from this land. And so Pharaoh made a decision that he was going to crush them with slavery. And we know all about how he crushed them in slavery. And in their desperation, they call out to God. And God raises up Moses who comes and begins to confront the Pharaoh and says, let my people go. But we know it was a series of plagues, right? Ten. Until it finally happened. So it didn't happen in an hour and 17 minutes. It happened over a course of time. And you can read it and study it for yourself, but Pharaoh, the plague would come. He has suffered. The people are suffering. He'd bring Moses in. He said, I've changed my mind. You guys can go. But it was a series. Because if you read in the scriptures, the Pharaoh said, you can go, but you can't go too far. And he said, and Moses said, no, we've got to go three days' journey and worship God. Then he said, you can go, but you can't take your kids. Moses said, no, we're taking the kids too. Then he said, you can go, but you can't take your stuff. You can't take your money. You can't, you got to leave it all behind. So he's going through this series. And I love that because it's a great picture for us. That we're speaking to the enemy today and we're telling him, Satan, we're going all in for Jesus. And we're taking our kids. We're taking our grandkids. We're taking everything. Our finances, our resources, because we're going to use it for God's kingdom. We're taking it all and we're leaving. So he goes through this whole process till they finally get to the 10th plague and the 10th plague was so severe that all the first males of Egypt die in one night. And the Bible tells us that the Egyptians could not wait to get rid of the Jewish people. In fact, the Bible says they went to them and they gave them gold and silver and some of the costly fabrics of Egypt. They gave them livestock they gave them everything and they said, take it and get out of here before we all die. In fact, one of versions says this, they picked the Egyptians clean. Well, they didn't do anything. God did it all. God did it all because he made a promise all the way back in Genesis chapter 15, verse 14. It said, when you leave, you will leave with incredible wealth to go into the promised land where I'm sending you to. And God made it happen that's what I'm talking about today. God has a purpose in the delay. He has a purpose, and he's working out his purpose. He worked out his purpose for a nation. He'll work out his purpose for you. And if it seems slow in coming, then just keep waiting for it, because it will surely, I love that, it will surely take place. It will surely take place. God is saying, he's saying to you personally today, it will happen. It will happen. It'll happen in your life. If I said it, it will happen. I'm not like man that I should lie. If I spoken the word, I'm going to make good on that word. It will happen. So here's what I'm saying today. Keep moving. Keep doing the right thing. Keep staying connected in fellowship with the body of Christ. Keep partnering in small groups where you can go even a little more deeper. Keep serving. Keep just doing the right thing, making the right decision. Keep honoring God because God is working and he's working behind the scenes and he's putting things in place and he's getting ready to blow your mind. 
He's getting ready to go beyond your wildest imagination. That's what God is getting ready to do. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed as we now take these thoughts into prayer. In a moment, I want to pray that God releases grace on your life because grace is everything. Grace is what helps us to do the right thing. It's not willpower. It's not sheer determination alone at times, but it's the grace of God that needs to flow in our lives. So as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I just want to make sure we don't lose an opportunity to see someone's life touched for Jesus. Here's what I know. You're not here by accident today. Whether you came with a friend, whether you came by yourself, whether you saw Journey Online, you thought I should check it out. You're not here by accident today. But the Bible tells us that God comes to seek and save what is lost. And so even before you're pursuing him, he's pursuing you. He's coming for you. And the Bible says he's coming for you in what we call cords of love. In other words, he's speaking to you. He's telling you that you're valuable no matter what anybody else has said, that you're of great worth and that he loves you and that he's done the work. He's done the work so that you can be in his family by sending Jesus Christ who paid the price for our sins, our shortcomings. We missed the standard of God, but Jesus Christ paid the price. And if we will invite Christ to step into our lives, he will bring all the forgiveness that we need and he'll bring all the grace that we need to begin to live out this life for his glory and his honor. So all over this house, just before I pray, I want to make sure if you're here today and it's your day to make that decision, you get a chance to. So all over this house and in Montgomeryville, if it's your day today and you're saying, today, preacher, today, I'm turning my life over to Jesus, would you quickly raise your hand without hesitation? Yes. Anyone else? Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Anyone else? Yes. That's what we do here at Journey. We celebrate. We celebrate these decisions. In fact, all of heaven celebrates these decisions. Thank you so much for raising your hand. So let's do it. Let's pray right now. In fact, let's stand together. Let's just take this to the Lord in prayer. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we come to you again and we remind ourselves that you have a plan that you're working out for our life. And we'll be the first to admit sometimes we get ahead and we try to make things happen ourselves. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for teaching us how to trust you in those moments. Father, would you release all over this house today and all over Montgomeryville, would you release a big dose of grace in our lives? The grace of God, which becomes the power of God, which becomes like an anointing on our lives that helps us to say yes to all of your yeses. To say no to what you're saying no to. To turning right when you tell us to turn right and left when you tell us to turn left. Release the grace of God on this house, I pray. And I thank you, Lord, for those who've raised their hand today. And they, they simply say, Jesus, I am. Just take all of it. All of it, Lord. I know there's good. I know there's bad. I know there's ugly. But take it all, Lord. And use me for your purposes. Begin to reveal yourself to my heart and my life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just thank him again for all the work that he's done transforming and changing lives. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. 
If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.